It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. And you still like me or you you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. (laughs) I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, Longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth. In America, wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. We're all brothers in this together. And we're here for one cause, and that's to fight for the freedoms of Canadians and for Canada itself. We need our rights back. We're here for freedom, for what's right for the people, not what's right for the government. This is about freedom. That's what we're standing for, is freedom. I would give this real estate up for my freedom. When Justin says he's going to lift all mandates, I will gladly go home to be with my my family. We're not anti-vax, we're not anti-anything. Uh, other than uh, anti-mandate, if you will. Um, that's what it's about. The message is freedom for every every Canadian. Until it's done 100%. Not 99.9, 100%. doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. It doesn't matter what it is you feel about COVID-19 or masks or any of that stuff. I think uh, it's important that we maintain the liberties that uh, so many sacrificed and died to, uh, to have in this country. I don't want my kids wear, having to wear masks. I don't want that. But I want the right to choose that. I want the right to choose a vaccine or not a vaccine. We're in for the long haul and we're here uh, until we achieve the goal. And that is uh, to have our voices heard, number one. And number two, to have uh, the freedoms restored that uh, the citizens of this nation deserve. Give people their freedom back, give people their lives back, give people their choices back. Until we uh, get the uh, confidence that our government has heard us and is, is willing to make changes for the people. And we're not leaving. We're not going anywhere. We want freedom. We want our Canada back. All right, Sandy Rios with you this morning. And that is every single voice that you heard there is one of the truckers uh, up in Ottawa, Canada. Uh, you know, holding off, uh, not laying siege. Siege is when you prevent food and water from coming in and you're trying to, you know, destroy your enemies. That's not what it is. They're trying to get heard in their parliament. They want the mandates to stop. Uh, They say that you should be free to decide. If you want the vaccine, fine. If you don't want it, fine. You shouldn't be losing your jobs. They're saying what all of us feel, all of us, you and me, pretty much, my audience and I, and a lot, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of Americans feel the same way. But Justin Trudeau, their premier, not so much. He's not so much. He's calling them people waving swastikas. Uh, he calls them, um, he says that they're violent Nazis. It's amazing uh, that what he gets away with. He does it. He's got, you know, great hair. He's a good looking guy. Uh, he's a really great talker and he gets away with it. Uh, so, in fact, I'll give you just an example of this. Uh, when he spoke in Parliament, he finally appeared uh, earlier this week. This is what he said, clip eight. We're here to do our job as government, as parliamentarians, because our democracy is working. Just a short time ago, we had an election in this country where we asked Canadians how they wanted to keep fighting this pandemic. 
And their answer was clear. Canadians chose vaccines. They chose science. They chose to protect one another. Because Canadians know that's how we get back to the things we love. All right, I'm going to rub. Well, evidently, Canadians, a lot of Canadians don't feel that way. They have found out what we found out, that the vaccines don't work, uh, that uh, leaders like Trudeau are using this to clamp down and control people, and they don't like it. 50,000 trucks is nothing to sneeze at. And as a matter of fact, it's become a worldwide movement. I told you about that yesterday. And we have truckers now uh, closing in on the Ambassador Bridge, which is the busiest border, border crossing between Canada and the U.S., there are long traffic delays around Detroit and Alaska. More than 100 truck drivers have rallied and supported their counterparts in Canada by driving 10 miles from Anchorage to Eagle River. And we see all kinds of um, all kinds of signs. In, back in Ottawa, we see pictures of the truckers setting up hockey nets in the middle of the road. We know they have been accused of setting up bouncy bouncy things to, for kids. Uh, yeah, and cleaning up the streets. But of course, they are Nazis and you know insurrectionists and all the rest of it. Uh, here's an interesting a little a plump Canadian with a very you know Canadian warm hat flapping ears you know with all the fur, and it says end all restrictions go where you want to go do what you want to do in freedom, and joy, and then we have some of them you know, protesting in front of CBC global lies it says, so uh, this is kind of the mood right now it's a, it's a, a big disconnect no question about it but there are there are some movements on this this is like the uh, the end of the second week and they're still out there it's just pretty amazing. I want to just tell you a story before I play this next thing. Um, when I was uh, president of CWA, I went to Ottawa to speak for a pro-life group. And I was on the grounds of the parliament, and I ended up meeting the chief of staff for a, an MP at the time named Jason Kenney. Uh, and she uh, befriended me, took me all over, took me inside parliament, and showed me all kinds of things, even behind closed doors, and ended up taking me into parliament itself and sitting in the the really good seats in the balcony overlooking uh, the the Q&A, the question and answer format that they have. And uh, it, we don't have anything like this in, in our Congress. And I loved it because it was a real free, for, it was a very constructive free-for-all. They have something like that in Britain too. Canadians, of course, copied it after the British model. But it's a time where they just go at it with each other without all the rules and restrictions. And I mean, there are rules. Uh, for car for um, camaraderie, you'll hear some of it in this exchange. But listen, th- there is there's stirring in the Canadian Parliament, and I'll show you why I think that. There's a conservative leader. <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> conservative party deputy leader and lawmaker Candace Bergen, and you're going to hear her going back and forth with Justin Trudeau's Minister of Public Safety, Marco Benedico, and then the moderator whose name I don't know. All right, so let's listen. I just think you'll enjoy this. First of all, you'll enjoy the fight of it because it's a, it's a fair fight, and you'll also enjoy the format. Let's listen. Mr. Speaker, all Canadians want to see a leader who will work to heal rifts, not further divide. A leader who will listen, even to those voices he might not agree with. A leader who will work to understand, not dismiss, name-call and gaslight. Contrary to some, there are thousands of passionate, patriotic and peaceful Canadians on the Hill right now who just want to be heard. Will the Prime Minister extend an olive branch and will he listen? The Honourable Minister for Public Safety. Mr. Speaker, 
think we all uh, support free speech in this house, but there's a big difference between free speech and inciting hatred, inciting violence, desecrating war memorials, Mr. Speaker. And I would hope my honourable colleague would denounce that in the clearest terms, Mr. Speaker. Those radical leaders are not really interested in free speech because they want to pretend as those vaccines don't work. On this side of the house, we know vaccines work. That's the gateway to freedom. And this government will do everything that we can to get there. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Member for Portage Lisker. Of course, we all condemn hateful and destructive acts by a few at any protest. Whether it's beheading the statue of Queen Victoria in Manitoba, tearing down the statue of Sir John A. in Montreal, or putting flags on Terry Fox. Whether it's burning churches, whether it's wearing blackface, whether it's Hezbollah flags or Nazi flags. Mr. Speaker, let's be abundantly clear that those individuals who've called for the incitement of violence to overthrow this government, who have caused significant disruption by flagrantly ignoring public health care measures that have forced shops and businesses to close, that have desecrated war memorials, are not interested in free speech, they're not interested in discourse, and they're certainly not interested in advancing our way out of this pandemic, Mr. Speaker. This government will always listen to those who want to have a robust debate about public health care measures, but we have to draw a bright line between those who are interested in that debate and those who are not. Well, that, that minister is not telling the truth, and it's shameful to see what he is doing. Accusing Canadians of being... Order, order, order. I think both sides are very truthful in saying what they say. Whether they agree with it or not is something that is another story. But calling someone who's, tell, well, basically t- calling them a name or accusing them of something is not permitted in the House. I'll let the Honourable Member for Portage Lister start from the top, and I'm sure she'll ask the question uh, correctly. Mr. Speaker, and I apologize that that minister is misleading Canadians. I do get very defensive of Canadians who are outside today, patriotic, peace-loving Canadians who are called misogynist and racist by the Prime Minister. So again, I will ask the Prime Minister, who may I remind this House wore blackface on more times than he can remember, apologize to the peace-loving, patriotic Canadians who are outside right now just asking to be heard. Will he speak to them? All right, so that was a touch of the question and answer period in the Parliament. Isn't that interesting? Candace Bergen is, the again, the deputy leader of the Conservative Party, and she's arguing with Trudeau's, Trudeau's Minister of Public Safety, Marco Benedicio, Bened, uh, Mendocino, sorry. And uh, so that was, I think that's very beneficial. I think that's helpful, and everything she said was true. Trudeau did pose in back, blackface over and over and over again. This, the uh, pictures step, kept resurfacing. What's that all about? Well, we don't have time to talk about that. But the hypocrisy of that and calling the truckers racist is really ironic, is it not? I want to also say that uh, Trudeau's uh, personal personal security, Mountie, has resigned. His name is uh, Corporal Buford. And let's listen a little bit to what he had to say in his resignation, clip six. Every individual is equal before and under the law. Excuse me. 
and has the right to equal protection and equal benefit of the law without discrimination. And finally, the most important in my mind is Section 52, where it clearly states that the Constitution... I can't look at you, Piper. ...is the supreme law of Canada. So I'd like to read my oath of office that I took 15 years ago. I, Daniel Beaufort, solemnly swear that I will faithfully, diligently, and impartially execute and perform the duties required of me as a member of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, and will well and truly obey and perform all lawful orders and instructions that I receive as such, without fear, favor, or affection of or toward any person. So help me God. I cannot be compliant or complicit with federal policies and provincial regulations that I sincerely believe to be unlawful by every measure. It is certainly not the case that the official narrative has demonstrably justified a gigantic overreach into the fundamental freedoms of every citizen of this country. We are to keep Canadians and their interests safe and secure, all Canadians, not just a select few. We are to assist Canadians in emergency situations and incidents. So in the context of the pandemic, I've seen us intimidate and arrest Canadians as opposed to assisting them. All right, that very emotional speech was given by Colonel Bulford, Corporal Bulford as he resigned from the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. And can you imagine what's going to happen to him? That took a ton of courage, and he's the personal, personal bodyguard, uh, one of them, personal detail for Justin Trudeau. And he says he just, he just can't do it anymore. I think, you know, it's interesting. Uh, that takes courage. And let me give you some good news. Uh, in Canada, the provinces are beginning to back off of vaccine mandates. And as I mentioned, Jason Kenney earlier, he's the one that I met along with his chief of staff. I brought Jason actually to Chicago to speak for a group. Uh, he has become the premier of Alberta, the province of Alberta. And he has announced that they're rescinding their vaccine mandates. Uh, and uh, the other, other Canadian, uh, Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe, has said that they will start lifting their pandemic public health orders in a phased approach beginning on Monday. Uh, we've had a couple of other... Um, Quebec uh, have um, yeah, said that most restrictions will be lifted by March the 14th. So there is some movement, and the truckers are having... And by the way, they're taking um, uh, donations at Give, Send, Go. Give, Send, Go. Be right back. Sandy Rios in the morning, AFR Talk. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Hey, hosers, it's me, Justin Trudeau. He, him, eh? The president of the greatest state in the U.S., Canada. This week, some truckers drove to Ottawa claiming that they're angry about a vaccine mandate, eh? I would have had the Mounties pull them over, but their horses ain't fast enough. I tell you what. But the truth of the matter is, these truckers only hate me because I'm black. That was me in college. You privileged white folks have no idea how hard it was for me as a young black man. I was a social outcast and only got invited to one party, eh? It was so hard being black that for a while I tried being both kinds of Indian. The feather kind and the kind that works at Tim Hortons, eh? But I faced more racism and hatred because some people think it's funny to mock tired, outdated stereotypes, eh? Please don't listen to these racist truckers bashing my vax mandate. This pandemic is serious, and I should know because I just tested positive, eh? I want these truckers to get vaxxed like I did so they don't catch COVID like I did. 
New research has found that your COVID risk depends on your blood type, eh? Your chance of catching COVID is higher if you have type A, A, than B, A, or A, B, A, or O, A. But get vaccinated regardless of whether you're type O, A, A, B, A, B, A, or A. A? The truth is, I want these truckers to get vaccinated because I care about them. When they're out there chain smoking, driving 19 hours a day, and eating truck stop cheeseburgers, I want them to stay healthy, eh? So they can keep delivering our milk in a bag, hockey pucks, delicious maple syrup, and of course, black shoe polish. That we need, uh, f for reasons, eh? May the Canadian Indigenous Two-Spirit God bless you, and may she bless Canada. All right, Sandy Rios, back with you. Well, all right, we just talked about Justin. We talk about Justin Trudeau almost every day we have for the last uh, two weeks. Uh, and he is, he is pretty funny, but I don't think you heard that on Saturday Night Live. No, I don't think you did. Uh, but I think you might have seen it on Babylon B. Babylon B has about 20 million subscribers, and they, uh, they traffic in humor. Uh, they make fun of everyone. Nothing is sacred, including Justin Trudeau. And I thought it would be great fun today to talk about the Babylon Bee. I think some of you may be only slightly familiar or not familiar at all. And uh, we can all use humor right now. And so we're going to talk about that. Seth Dillon is the owner of the Babylon Bee, uh, and he comes to us this morning from sunny Florida. Uh, Seth, thanks for joining us. Thank you. It's actually rainy and cloudy today. So unfortunately, oh, no. it's not sunny Florida this morning, but... But uh, well, the, but I am in Florida, a free state, which I, which I'm which I'm happy to be in. Yes, and you're then you're free to write your comedy without being arrested, at least so far. Have you guys been <laughs> shut down? Uh, you have been shut down, right? Were you boost you know booted off Twitter? What what's your you know that's kind of a claim to fame. So what's your claim to fame with that? Oh yeah, we've been suspended on Twitter. We got back on it, um, but we were suspended at one point. Uh, we've been threatened with demonetization and deplatforming on on Facebook. Uh, MailChimp, a bunch of different platforms. We've been threatened with it on Instagram. So we've managed to stay on these platforms, but uh, it's been a lot of work staying on them. We've, we've, we've even had to threaten to sue the media in some cases because they've been you know, uh, defaming us and misrepresenting us in the effort to get us deplatformed from these, from these places. So it's been a challenge. You know, I think probably the smartest things for us to do, Seth, is uh, to try to help people understand who you are. I, th I think we should assume that, they, I mean, the, the Babylon Bee, uh, because yeah. I don't think we can assume. I was just reading this. I had forgotten about this, but I, you guys crack me up, I have to say. but So let me just say, way back, I think before you joined Babylon Bee, one of the, the biggest splashes you made was it was 2017 during Hurricane Harvey, and it was battering Houston. Mm -hmm. And there was widespread flooding, and Babylon B. Uh, okay, I'm reading uh, satirically criticized televangelist Joel Olstein with a headline that read, "Joel Olstein sails luxury yacht through flooded Houston to pass out copies of Your Best Life Now." All right, so so it goes viral. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that goes viral, makes a lot of people mad, I'm sure, <laughs> makes a lot of people laugh. But that's kind of an idea of the kind of things you traffic in. Can you describe it? Describe it to us from your own words, what it is that you are trying to do. Well, we're, we're satirical news publication. So what we're doing is we're writing, you know, funny fake news. Um, but it's for a point. I mean, the main thing that we're trying to do when I try to like summarize what our mission is, if we have one, is to ridicule bad ideas. Uh, and I think satire does that very effectively. Um, that, that particular article that you're referencing, yeah, a lot of people were, 
Well, what happened was that one went viral because so many people believed it was true, which is oh. kind of outrageous. <laughs> that, you know, well, that, that people would believe that, that was second. true. But isn't that kind of a goal for you? I mean, isn't that like a coup d'état? If, if people really take it seriously, <laughs> isn't that kind of feather in your cap? Well, you know, on the one hand, you have people who criticize you who say, "Oh, well, if you, if people are believing your satirical stories, then they're in your, uh, you know, then they're too close to reality, and you need to do a further job of removing them from reality." And I and I scratch my head when people say that because that's what makes jokes funny is their closeness to reality. It's you know satire that is so divorced from reality that you couldn't possibly believe it was true wouldn't be funny and it wouldn't make a point. You would just think it was a weird, silly, outrageous story. Um, but if it's actually believable, like when we made a joke about how Trump claims to have done more for Christianity than Jesus himself, um, you know, that kind of a joke is believable. People would believe that Trump would say that. And in fact, these jokes come true all the time. If you, if you go to September of 2021, we wrote that headline about Trump saying he, he'd done more for Christianity than Jesus back in 2019. And then he said in 2021 that he's done more for Christianity and religion in general than any person in history. He said that on a radio show. So, so a lot of times what, the jokes that we make end up coming true, and I think that just means that, that, our, that we're, we're on the mark with our satire. There is truth at the base of what we're doing. And that's really the goal is to, like I said, ridicule bad ideas, but also speak truth to culture. And I think satire is an effective way of doing that. Um, some people don't understand satire, but and some people will be duped by it. I'm putting that in uh, scare quotes, duped, because we're not trying to dupe anybody. But some people will be taken in by it and think that it's real. But um, but there is a point to it. And if you understand what we're trying to do, then you'll see that. Yeah, well, some people have no, some people, so my husband and I, well, I think some people are so literal. They're so literal that yeah. they just can't, I don't know what that is. They don't have a switch where they can sort of enter into, um, I don't know what we'd call this, satire, I guess, and really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, so I'm curious when uh, when you guys uh, I want to get into the system and how you put this all together, but just quickly uh, as the owner, are you uh, like when they write a story, your staff, uh, and they come up with this great idea and they they do you sign off on everything? Are you involved in all of that? No, we have an editor in chief. Uh, his name is Kyle Mann, and his responsibility is the editorial side and uh, in signing off on these things and reviewing them and. Um, but there's a, it's a whole team effort where we're collaborating together on these ideas and like pitching ideas back and forth and writing these. We write the headline first before we write the article and we try to get the headline right. And then once we have a headline we want to publish, then we assign a writer to it who will write the article. Um, but no, I'm not, in, I'm not involved at that level where I'm greenlighting each of these articles before they go up. I, there are specific topics where I want to be aware if we're going to be writing about that topic so I can get my eyes on it. Um, cause some things are really controversial and can be easily misunderstood or misconstrued, but, um, no, I'm not, I'm not approving everything. In fact, sometimes people will share articles with me saying how funny they are. And it's the first time that I've seen it. <laughs> Did you ever, have you ever, uh, like said, no, nah, we're not doing that one. Uh-uh. Can't, uh-uh. Too much. Can't do that one. Did you ever do that? Yes. Yes, I have. Uh, you know, sometimes a writer. You want to share uh, what it was? Take it a little far. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I well, probably you know what? won't. I mean, I have to. There's it, nothing it, you don't write on. There's no topic you don't write on. Is there? Is there anything that you won't talk about? No, I don't think so. There aren't specific topics that we won't write about. There are topics though that we'll be very careful about how we write about them. Race is a really good example. Um, it's such a hot button topic. You have to be careful about how you satirize somebody who is a racist. 
because people will, uh, like we, we were talking about a moment ago, satire can be difficult for some people to follow and understand. They will assume that you are a racist in, in what you're saying when you're really satirizing someone who's a racist. So that's challenging, um, dealing with issues like that and making sure that your joke is clear enough uh, in the context of what you're joking about is well known enough that it's not going yes. to be misconstrued and misunderstood so that Next thing you know, there's a bunch of news articles out there about how Babylon B is, uh, you know, a, a racist cesspool or something like that. Um, and then we're on the defensive in the, in the press. So um, you got to be mindful of those types of things. Um, you know, that's but a, yeah, I mean, generally it's just hyper, super sensitive topics that are, that are hot buttons. That's something I never thought of. Um, you have to make sure that people know what you're talking about. Now, that's a challenge yeah, right yeah. there. You can make a lot of jokes. Yeah, well, those are some of, the, some of the... <laughs> Sometimes I'll, when we when we'll turn down a joke, when I when I'll say, you know what, we're not going to do that one. It's because uh, it's not because it's a topic that we don't want to joke about. It's a topic that uh, hasn't really we're aware of it. Maybe like it's in our circles, we're aware of it, but it's not broadly known as a news story nationally. And so it people aren't going to understand the joke on a national scale. And so we we decide not to publish it. So something like that. You know, I want to give people another idea of just a further idea, Seth of uh, the kinds of stuff that you do. Now, like, like here's one. Here, here are 10 famous songs Spotify is removing for misinformation. And, of course, this comes on the heels of Joe Rogan and his battle to stay on Spotify and uh, his fight over, you know, Spotify's decision over whether to keep musical artists who object to him rather than keep Joe Rogan. Okay, so you wrote this, you, Babylon B, wrote, here are 10 famous songs Spotify is removing for misinformation. I just want to read a few of them. My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion. Fact check. False. <laughs> the heart stops pumping blood as soon as brain activity ceases. Also, you have myocarditis. Second, number two, All You Need Is Love by the Beatles. The science is clear. Love is not all you need. Food, water, oxygen, and stable ambient temperature are far more critical. And then number three, Michael Bolton's When a Man Loves a Woman. This song implies that there are only two genders. Not good. The year is 2022, <laughs> Michael Bolton. All right, and then it goes on and on. But I just want people to have an yeah. idea of what you do, Seth. Um, you actually send out um, uh, something to – you have like a, a, a bit of humor for the day. Can you describe that? Because people might want to sign up for that. Well, yeah, we have a, we have a newsletter that goes out uh, daily during weekdays, and it just recaps our recently published article. So uh, whatever we've put on the website over the course of the last, you know, 24 hours, it, it'll be out there in the newsletter the following day. Um, and I think that's a really good way of connecting with us because the social networks, if you follow us on Facebook, for example, we get people tell us all the time that they follow us on Facebook, but they never see any of our posts. Well, yes. there's a reason for that. We have Facebook has given us like this low quality score and uh, because we're unreliable news, which is just silly. I mean, we're, we're, we're not unreliable news. We're an entertainment site. We're fake news. We're funny fake news. Um, so, you know, people are having a hard time accessing our content on these social networks. It's best to connect with us directly. Give us your email address, sign up for the newsletter. It'll go straight to your inbox. So that's BabylonB.com, right? Yep, BabylonB.com. BabylonB.com. I want to give them another example. This is in my inbox. 15 communist Olympic events this year. And we have the Uyghur luge. Competitors slide down the side of a mountain on a live Uyghur prisoner. Uyghur biathlon, exactly like the standard ski and shoot biathlon, but you shoot Uyghurs. 
Competitive virus making. A competitor from Wuhan is the current favorite. And it goes on. Oh, men, men's cross country <laughs> lab league. <laughs> so, anyway, anyway, it's just uh, you guys are always on top of it, which makes me think of this other question. You know, I do news every day and I try to do what's happening on that day. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. So, you guys yeah. are, do you have staff working 24 7? How do you handle that? Not 24 7, no. Um, we do have staff throughout the country. So we have an office in South Florida. We have one in California. So we're in two different time zones. That, that maybe helps a little bit with us staying, you know, open later in the evening and, and getting things out there. Um, but we're not, we're not 24-7. It's a little bit easier, you know, when you're reporting on the real news, it's, it's difficult because you have, to, you have to get your facts right. And you gotta, you got to do a lot of editing. And, it's gotta, and several people have to get their eyes on it. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of considerations when you're writing real news and doing journalism. Uh, we're just making this stuff up. So when you're fabricating <laughs> these stories, you don't have to do really that. worry too much. That would be better. <laughs> yeah, it's a little easier. We can, <laughs> we can get these articles out pretty quickly. So we just wake up in the morning and look at what's going on in the world and the headlines and, uh, and start pitching ideas. Well, so do you hire your staff from MSNBC and CNN? Is that where you get your people that don't care about the facts? I'm sorry. Yeah. Anyway. That's a, hey, there's a good joke there. That's a good there's one. There's a good joke there, yeah. Um, I want to read how you describe yourselves on your website. It says, you're, what is the Babylon Bee? Your trusted source for Christian news satire. The Babylon Bee is the world's best satire site, totally inerrant in all its truths, truth claims. We write satire about Christian stuff political stuff, and everyday life. The Babylon Bee was created ex nihilo on the eighth day of the creation week, exactly 6,000 years ago. We have been the premier news source throughout every major world event, from the Tower of Babel and the Exodus to the Reformation and the War of 1812. We focus on just the facts, leaving spin and bias to other news sites like CNN and Fox News. If you'd like to complain about something on our site, take it up with God. Unlike other satire sites, everything we post is 100% verified by Snopes.com. So that kind of gives people an idea of where you're coming from, Seth. And uh, when we come back, it would be fun to hear about you just a little bit. I want to talk about uh, you you are the son of a pastor, and you certainly cover Christian news. That's part of what you do, but you, you have such a broad spectrum now. You've grown so much, and you are commenting on, you know, hard news, international events like the Olympics, like 15 communist Olympic events this year, and other things like that. And so uh, you have to have sort of a foundation to do this, sort of a commonality. So it'd be interesting to know about you, about your staff. Sure. Uh, and we'll talk about that when we return. My guest again is Seth Dillon. He's the owner of the Babylon Bee, and you can find the Babylon Bee at Babylon com. That's BabylonB.com. They have a daily uh, news uh, newsletter that they send. They also have videos. They have books, all kinds of stuff. It's a great resource for, for all of us, really, to have some fun and also a resource for, I guess, sermons or speeches or whatever you might be using it for. We'll be right back. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. My name is Chris Smitherson. I'm unvaccinated. Ever since Omicron hit, I, I just felt so alone. I feel so left out since all my vaccinated friends have COVID. Every time I see my vaccinated friends all hanging out inside, wearing masks because they all have COVID, 
I really start to regret my decision not to get the jab. Sometimes I fake a sneeze just to feel included, but they can tell. I'm healthy. I've tried everything. I, I lick doorknobs, I, I double dip guacamole, I even ate a golden corral. <laughs> but nothing worked. No matter how hard I try, I just can't get the Rona. Since I can't be quarantined with my friends, I guess I just have to continue on with my life. Out here. As if there's no pandemic. At all. Sandy Reels with you. We're talking today about the Babylon Bee, which is a great source of satire. It's not not only do they do videos, which are great fun. You just heard one. Uh, they write books uh, and they present uh, they, daily videos. They have 20 million subscribers. Um, Seth, at this point, Seth Dillon is the owner of uh, Babylon Bee. What kinds of people are subscribing? Do you have any way of knowing? Do you have a demographic? Um. I mean, it's a it's a pretty broad range. I mean, we, we skew slightly male, uh, about fifty five percent to fifty eight percent of our audience is male. Um, the age range it varies. Uh, you know, we have we have high schoolers and, and college kids who are fans of ours, um, and then you know, all, all the way to you know eighty year olds and ninety year olds who are still trying to navigate social media, writing in, telling us how much they love us. So we have. We have a pretty wide range. I think the the sweet spot is probably um, people in their thirties, twenties, thirties, and forties, um, and uh, and you know who are really active and engaged in in culture and in the news cycle. Um, I would say, but but yeah, it's not it's not like we have a specific group. I mean, when we did start out, it was it was kind of more of a niche site that was catering towards the the evangelical Christian community, and and we did a lot of. Uh, we still do this, but but we did a lot of church jokes and church humor, um, and in, they were inside jokes that that people in the church would understand. Um, and we still do a lot of those, but we have a much broader audience now. And most of the articles that we do that go viral are the ones that are on current events that everybody's aware of. Yeah. Let me let me give a, a couple more examples before I ask you about your background. This one I love. You got sure. a picture of Justin Trudeau in blackface, which this is a really this is a mock up of a real picture of him in blackface with a pur- a purple turban like with a white feather, and he's, he's he's like crouching down. It says Trudeau dons blackface to escape capital undetected, and then the next article is Trudeau, <laughs> Trudeau claims truckers only hate him because he's black. You know, so anyway, I just the, that's the kind of humor that you do. Uh, but Seth, um, you grew up in a, in the church. Your dad was a pastor of um, I don't know if it, it's I'm not sure what church. It's a non-denominational church, I guess, on the order of like a Willow Creek or uh, uh, you tell me, <laughs> you tell me. Yeah, yeah, he pastored um, either uh, community churches, local community churches, or Bible churches, um, typically non-denominational. He did pastor an evangelical free church at one point. Um, but that was the only denomination we were affiliated with um, uh, throughout my throughout my upbringing. But yeah. yeah, yeah, he was a pastor for over 25 years um, and retired recently. You know, the interesting thing to me is, uh, Seth, you're you're you are. I, I'm assuming you're around 40, something like that. So you're a guy that grew up with a pastor father. But I know from your writing and just hearing you uh, interact with other people 
that your faith has remained strong and your commitment to uh, solid uh, theology in everything that you're doing here, besides truth, uh, is strong. Yeah. And um, I just, could you just talk about that for a second? Uh, why isn't it, it seems to me, that too often we have stories of kids who grow up in pastors' homes or Christian leader homes, and they don't they don't catch it. How do you think that you actually yeah. caught your own faith at living in your home? Well, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I think that there is a tendency if you're in a home that's, that's extremely um, strict and conservative for you know young people to want to rebel um, and and experience all the things that are being denied to them. Um, I think it's a very common thing. I think in my home, you know, I just, I, I, I grew up in such a loving, uh, nurturing and positive environment. Um, my parents have a really healthy relationship. They had a very healthy relationship with us. And, uh, and I developed early on a, a great love of reading. And, you know, I, I was, I, I read my Bible regularly and I read a lot of, a lot of Christian authors and, and, and really steeped myself in theology and apologetics. And I think apologetics was a key for me when I was, when I was, was, when I was a young adult, um, because I started to learn, you know, I was reading C.S. Lewis and then some other more modern apologists who defend the faith against a lot of objections against it, um, and having some of those intellectual answers to uh, to common objections to the faith, I think equipped me to uh, to continue to, you know, it's, it's one of the purposes of apologetics is that it's edifying the believer, not just a, a you know a persuasive tool for the unbeliever. So. Um, I think that's one of the ways I was able to stay anchored. Uh, it was just my love of learning and reading, um, but also the example that my parents set in our in our home. So there was nothing in my life or in my church life, my family life, that drove me away from the church and made me want to to you know to turn from it and never go back. Well, I think you've touched on something really important. I I think the whole notion of I think personally that our whole approach approach in the evangelical church has just been too intellectually thin. And for people who are thinkers yeah. and deep thinkers, it has to go deeper. And uh, I would do it, give a shout-out to the Evangelical Free Church. I raised my kids for 15 years in that church and got great teaching, just great, solid biblical teaching. In fact, my son grew up yeah. to be—he's got his Ph.D. in theology now and is a pastor, and I was a divorced mom. So I have a story that I'm, right. you know, I'm very grateful to God for that because it could have gone a very different way. But my point is intellectual rigor brings more faith— there's nothing you. There's nothing we can't discuss. There's nothing we can't laugh at. There's nothing we can't explore. It builds our fate to expand our minds, and you're doing it through humor, Seth. And yeah. I love that. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that is a really good point, though. I think we've been uh, idling and intellectual neutral for a long time. There's a lot of Christians who have a very superficial understanding of what they believe and why they believe it. Uh, and so, you know, equipping young Christians with answers. Uh, I think is is extremely beneficial, um, you know, and, and it keeps them. It, it it prevents the situation where they 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 come up against some objection that just shatters their worldview, and all of a sudden they're you know they they don't know what to believe anymore, and and they're confused. I think the more that we understand about the universe, uh, the more that we understand about nature, the more that we understand about morality and consciousness and and life and all of these things, um, the more our faith makes sense, not less. So, Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a big topic. That's a big topic outside the scope of what we normally deal with with satire. But we do sometimes touch on these topics with satire. You know, we'll make, we will make points about, um, about our worldview. We're writing, 
we're, we're less a Christian satire site than we are Christians writing satire. You know, we, we're not trying to make yes. our work all about Christianity and spreading yes. Christianity. We're trying mm-hmm. to do creative work as Christians and have our worldview uh, latent there under the surface for the most part in, in our writing. And, and we're writing from that perspective. So I think that's an important thing to not beat people over the head with it, um, but to slip it in there. Um, you know, make make them laugh and then pour truth in while their mouths are open is a is a, is a popular <laughs> quote, and I think that's what uh, that's what we're trying to live by. Apart from that one, uh, the the thing that you did in 2017 about Joel Olstein, have you? Uh, is there? A, I know you've done ton, countless ones, but has one come to mind of a sat, satirical piece that you did on some Christian doctrine or some Christian figure that really got tremendous blowback, like you know, a little hot water? <laughs> Tremendous blowback on the Christian stuff. Um, uh, I think that, well, I'll tell you a funny story. I mean, uh, it's whenever we make a joke about uh, uh, the Mormon church, um, the Church of Latter-day Saints, uh, they get very uh, defensive and upset, but it's so funny because they are the most polite people you'll ever uh, communicate with. And so we get this extremely polite hate mail um, uh, from the, from, from Mormons who are offended by one of our articles. We did one about, I got, I got to get the, pull the headline up. Hold on. Um, it was something about Mitt, Mitt Romney. Um, I, I want to get it right, but I don't know if I'm going to have time to search it while I'm actually talking to you. Oh, it was a follower of Joseph Smith urges nation to reject morally flawed leaders. And so, you know, we're, we're taking a jab at Joseph Smith there. And, you know, yep. Mormons got up in arms over that one because it was shared very widely. And I've, you've never seen a, a big, a larger flood of hate mail come into your inbox. That's <laughs> just like extremely polite. <laughs> it, was, it was really something. Do you know what? There used to, I won't be able to think of his name, but when I was a kid, um, just to put balance to that, uh, there's so much humor in the church. I mean, we are, we are great fodder for great jokes there used to be a guy, this is before your time, on a hee-haw, which was a satirical country kind of, uh, like a, like a, uh, oh, I can't even think of that. I'm just, uh, okay, I can't give an illustration because I can't think of the word, but uh, it was just a funny little vignette <laughs> thing, and it was, and a lot of times, then they had one guy who used to make fun of the church, and he was just hilarious. Well, I think of the church lady yeah. on Saturday Night Live. There's just a lot, there's right. so much to laugh at. That is not safe. Well, yeah, that well, that, and that's the thing too is you know some people will 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 consider it very irreverent and inappropriate. And the point is, the point is that the church doesn't have it all figured out. The church isn't doing everything right. You know, there are things. If if we're if we're only ever pointing, if we're only ever putting our sights on uh, broader culture or people that we disagree with and criticizing them and ridiculing and mocking their behavior. Um, you know, we're missing ourselves and we're not perfect either. So I think what satire can do very effectively, and it's one of the things that drew me to the Babylon Bee when I first got involved back in early 2018, was that there was a lot of self-deprecating humor. There was a lot of introspective thought and humor. And so it was, it really seemed like it was a site that was, that was run by Christians that was willing to take a look at things that Christians themselves believe and, and do and practice and, and hold them up to scrutiny and to, and even to mockery and ridicule when it deserved it. And so um, I think it's a really healthy exercise. And being able to laugh at yourself, by the way, is a very healthy thing. I think that we're in this, in this 
current cultural moment, everybody wants a safe space and they don't want to be offended. Um, and I think it's a really dangerous place to be in when you when you when you put when you teach children and young people um, that that laughing at things that really deserve to be laughed at is wrong and that hurts people's feelings and whatever. It is a very healthy exercise to be able to laugh at yourself. And if you can't, you're taking yourself too seriously and you're going to end up being extremely immature, have very thin skin and everything is going to bother you. And it's going to be all about feelings. And uh, and I don't think we do ourselves any favors when we do that. We need to be able to laugh at ourselves. I totally agree. You know, one of the things that I, I've said it's on the air, uh, because I Russia was a fascination for me. I've been in Russia. Uh, and the people in the Cold War developed this really incredible sense of humor. You know, in the midst of all the oppression, they were known for their sense of humor. And I will remember when I was in Russia and Pravda, I saw this cartoon and it was a it was a road like I just sketched with little dots in the middle the middle of the road, and then at the end of the road there was a fork, and there was a crude sign and uh, all these little footprints and tons of footprints were going to the left, and it said, um, well, no, first of all, t- a few footprints were going to the right, and the sign said freedom, and then a ton of footprints were going on the left fork, and the sign said sausage. So the the Russians <laughs> the Russians developed this satirical humor, this dark humor in the midst of all that they were suffering that just has been right. fascinating to me. Just fascinating. Yeah. And and I think that it serves it serves as a as a valve, an outlet for the thing to times in which we live. Yeah, I think uh yeah, especially in a in a in a in a dark time if you're going through um, you know, when the pandemic first hit, you know, we had a lot of people who were reaching out to us and saying that you know, our humor was a bright spot in their day. And I think it's a great thing that you can bring a little levity to situations that are so serious, uh, even even really serious situations that are potentially life-threatening. You know, you still want to retain your humanity. You don't want to just curl up and hide. Um, yes. You've got to continue to live. you got to continue to love. Live, laugh, love. You know, that plaque that everybody puts up on their wall? you got to yep. include laughter in there, right? Yep, I, I totally agree with that. Not not without merit. It, it could be it's on it's solid footing. It's certainly with the Babylon Bee. They're uh, scripturally uh, found solid. They make fun of everyone, but uh, they don't mock God, uh, and uh, they don't mock things that are sacred. They just mock people and uh, the ways they're doing things, whether it's political or in the church. It's Babylon Bee. It's BabylonBee.com. I think you should subscribe, each and every one of you. Seth Dillon, it's been a delight. Thank you so much for joining me. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.